Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. If you think that the political machinations around the Supreme Court and choosing another justice are untoward and unseemly, if it bothers you, conservative or liberal, that Merrick Garland was kept off the court last year during the campaign, if you're upset by the political fight that's going on over a clearly qualified jurist like Judge Gorsuch, Jay Koss wants you to know... You got it all wrong. Okay, Jay, what do we good government civics students get wrong about the ugly tooth and nail fight over the Supreme Court? Right. Well, um, you know, it has to do with this this strange tension in our founding documents. Um, On the one hand, we're we're supposed to be a republic. Um, and a republic is is a is a system of government where the people rule themselves. But on the other hand, we're we're supposed to be liberal in the classical sense of the word, in the sense that Jefferson meant in the Declaration of Independence that um, that men are endowed with God-given rights that are inalienable, and that the purpose of government is to protect these rights. So there's this tension in our system of government. It's that on the one hand we're supposed to the people are supposed to rule themselves, but on the other hand there's there's certain things. The people aren't allowed to do. Um, and the problem that comes up is, well, what happens when a majority of the country wants to interfere with the rights and privileges of a minority? Where do we go? What do we do? Uh, and the Supreme Court, as it's evolved over the years, is a solution to this problem. The Supreme Court's the defender of individual rights. Um, and because it's sort of immune from the people, they can defend the the rights of the people without worrying about getting you know swept out of office at the ballot box. The, and that's a good solution in a lot of respects. But the flip side is that because the Supreme Court is immune from the people, it often can do basically whatever it wants. And so for every time you know, the Supreme Court makes a sound ruling, maybe not every time, but you know, you're going to, you, you go through the history of the Supreme Court and you see, wow, that was a pretty high handed capricious judgment that the court made. They just sort of created a new right or did something out of whole cloth and, and they're not going to get called on it because they're immune. But nomination battles, Supreme Court nomination battles are the one opportunity that the people have to really sort of weigh in on the meaning and scope of the court. And because the court so regularly screws up its job, creates rights that don't exist or interfere with the legitimate democratically elected legislators in the states or in Congress, you know, this is an opportunity for the people to have their say. And so, you know, when the, and anytime we're talking about that, we're talking about politics and politics is messy and it makes for bad TV and gee whiz, couldn't we all get along and all that stuff. But politics like this is essential to self-government. It's the essence of self-government. And so if we're going to have, you know, if the Supreme Court's going to sound off on things that it really shouldn't be sounding off on or making controversial value judgments that a big chunk of the country is going to disagree with, well, then, yeah, we are going to fight and fighting over it isn't a bad thing. You know, you sound like you're one step away from tweeting out a Trump-like tweet attacking a Supreme Court or a judge or insulting a jurist's background there, Jay Cost. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I should start doing that and I could be elected the 46th president of the United States because you'd think that that kind of stuff would work, but here we are. But you see what the point I'm making, which is there's an argument that says deference to the court. The court should be beyond politics. And that's why it's so unseemly that Trump would be tweeting out about a judge's ruling or using the phrase so-called judge. Don't you understand, Jay? cost that insulting the judiciary or impugning the judiciary is the ultimate civic sin in America in 2017. They can do no wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, look, it is a fine line. I mean, and, and I think that, 
you know, it's it's one thing to fight over the con the, the composition of the judiciary, and it's one thing to sort of have you know messy uh, legislative battles and impose litmus tests and all this other stuff. Um, it's it's one thing to say, well, we let's just do that and not pretend like this is some sort of you know like where you know we're just electing the people who decree what the law is, um, you know. I, I'm in favor of messy political process, but I'm opposed to, you know, needless assaults on the credibility of a of a co-equal branch of government. So my feeling was is that when Trump Trump called that that judge a so-called judge, I mean that that bothered me because he was acting as though he had no recourse. In fact, he does have recourse, right? If you disagree with the judge and if you think the judge did a lousy job and you think even if you think in general that judge is a lousy judge, well, that's why we have an appeals process. You know, there's always there's always recourse in our system that I, and I don't like I don't like attacks on the on our system of government that sort of obscure the fact that there's always recourse. We have a good system. It's by the same token I get so annoyed by these lefties who who are calling themselves the resistance. You know, the Constitution is is your resistance. You know, um, the Constitution is a good document that will check Trump insofar as he does things that he should not do. You should have faith in the Constitution and not start calling yourself the resistance. And I would say the same thing about Trump in this case, that you don't like the judge's ruling. Well, that's why, you know, the Constitution gave Congress the power to set up appellate courts, and it did and it did so centuries ago for exactly this purpose. See, you use the word the credibility of a co-equal branch, and I think there are many people for whom the Supreme Court is not a credible uh, co-equal branch of government because so many members of the Supreme Court clearly do not, in good faith, practice their uh, or execute their job. It's clear that when Ruth Bader Ginsburg gets her hands on an opinion, the standards of the law and precedent and the will of the people are gone. You read that opinion from uh, Kennedy uh, that took away the right of every citizen, uh, every state to choose its own marriage laws, and it is legal garbage. And I'm, I'm being unkind to our friend, garbage collectors out there who have to deal with stuff that's not that's bad. What about the argument that Jefferson was right, that we have not found angels among men to govern us, and that the Supreme Court needs to be brought down from this false position in our constitutional system as the final arbiter of law? Yeah, look, I think that we're sort of stuck on the horns of a dilemma here. You know, on on the one hand, you know, when you liberate uh, an institution like the Supreme Court, um, you can get sort of you're you're protecting it from majoritarian tyranny. You know, the tyranny of the majority, but you can also get the tyranny of a minority. In this in this case, you have. Um, you know, justices making things up as they go along with great, great disrespect for the system. And also in, in Kennedy's case, I, I would point out, you know, that, you know, what he did there was just slash and burn uh, the, the political process on gay marriage, even as the political process was sort of leading towards, you know, uh, swinging in the direction of being more 
sensitive to the idea of gay people being allowed to marry. Like the political process was coming around to his direction anyway. It was high-handed. It was capricious. You're right. It was devoid of legal reasoning. And and look, I think that we're just caught on the horns of a dilemma here. Um, you know, on the one hand, you empower a majority. You know, you should expect a majority that's unchecked is just going to, when it get, has the votes, it's just going to raid the rights and privileges of the minority. But on the other hand, when you separate political power away from the majority can be misused as it is in this case. And and look, I don't think the Supreme Court, I don't like the way the Supreme Court behaves. I think that they're too disrespectful of the people. I think they've acquired too much power for themselves. And I think that goes for uh, jurists on the left and the right on the Supreme Court. And I, I don't think there's really anything we can do about it except just fight it out on the nomination battles. And so I think that like when I hear people talking about norms and traditions of respect and decency and how we should treat nominees, I just think those are very outdated and outmoded and they don't reflect the fact that the court is a political institution now. And the fact that they're fighting it out in the Senate is really just reflects the choice that the court itself has made over the last you know, half century or more. Basically, Basically, since um, Earl Warren was a Supreme Court justice, the court has decided to get itself involved in every minor squabble in the culture war. And lo and behold, it gets treated like a political branch. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's J. Donald Trump Cost, who's wearing his red hat right now. Make the SCOTUS great again. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast, Jay. My pleasure as always, Michael.